0: Welcome to Innovations in Leadership, a Success League radio production. This is a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are designing and implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by the Success League, a consulting and training firm focused on developing customer success programs that drive revenue. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Innovations in Leadership and the founder and CEO of the Success League. Today, I am joined by Rachel Proven, a seasoned CS leader and a community contributor. And we're going to talk about career paths, specifically the path from CSM to director of CS. And this is a move a lot of CSMs want to make, so it should be a really interesting episode. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here so we're going to talk about becoming a director. You've been a director and I've been a director Mm -hmm. in the past, Um, so we have a lot to talk about. But before we get started, I I really want to define the role of a director um, and talk about what that means. From your perspective, how is a director different from a manager
1: and how are they different from a vice president? It's a very good question because it really does vary by company, you know, yeah. and then there's also the uh, the whole head of customer success, yeah. which, you know, it can really vary. A lot of times, all three are the same thing. Uh-huh. Uh, to me, if they're going to be divided, um, you know, ideally I think that a director rolls up either to a VP of CS or a chief customer officer who rolls up to the CEO. But there have been plenty of times where I've been the director and that was the head of the customer success department, you know, in, in my most recent role, I was definitely performing more VP related roles in that, you know, it's creating more strategy, um, you know, working with financials, a lot more projections, things mm-hmm. like that. So if you're going to be presenting to the board, I'd say that's more VP related. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be executing a strategy that's been set, But getting CSMs to sort of maximize their output, do the very best they can, um, you know, sort of monitoring them, making sure they hit their KPIs, that's more of a director. They're more of a coach. However, every director role I've been in has allowed me to contribute to strategy a lot, which is very important to me. Um, But it can be just the coach role or, you know, I, I like that mix of both.
0: Yeah, I think it kind of depends on the maturity of the company you're working for. Mm -hmm. I think early-stage companies often, I guess, over-title, I would say, because that's part of how they can compensate you when they have no money (laughs) to work with. (laughs) Um, And and that's how a lot of people grow into, I think, a director role is to go work for an early-stage company so that they can get a title that maybe isn't representative of what the role would be like in a larger organization. I think, you know, when I think of manager and director, you know, manager is a person who's managing individual contributors. A director is somebody who's Mm -hmm. managing managers and possibly some individual contributors too, but you're managing managers. So it's like that next step up. And then the VP is definitely managing directors and managers, but also, Um, serving on the, the leadership team. And so the other thing I see is companies kind of, this is more growth and middle-stage companies having, you know, heads of customer success or directors of customer success who are really behaving more like a vice president because they don't want to move them into that vice president role because they're not confident in their experience or more often because they don't want to pay the salary that goes along with it. And it's disappointing to see that happening in our field. I don't think that would ever happen in sales. So, it's a little discouraging to see that occur, but it, it does happen. And so, I think that then that's what sort of muddies the waters a little bit because you've got people who with director titles really doing VP jobs.
1: Yeah. I was in a position where uh, I was in a director position and they asked me to take over several different departments, you know, including product marketing and services and support. And I said, well, that's really a CCO role. Um, Uh You know, here are the things that they do. Here's what I do. Uh And they did not take me up on that. But, you know, you got to stand up for yourself and say, okay, this is the role that I've taken for this Uh job. And if you're going to ask me to do something else, here's what that means, you know, and you can decide for yourself, you know, what you want to do with that information. But I think a lot of times people will work with you if you make a case that makes sense and is logical. But don't, don't go into it and say, I'll do it for free forever because, you yeah. know, someday you'll give me the title because that is not, it does not work out well.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I want to point out, too, that I think in certain countries, the term mm. director is actually a higher level position than a vice president, too. So um, th- it's sort of cultural as well. Yeah. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you're listening to it from not the United States. Just keep in mind that director in your country might mean something substantially different than what we're talking about right now too. But along with that, um, I think something that a lot of people don't know is that the role of vice president, and in, in certain countries, the role of director comes with a legal responsibility and opens you up for personal liability because you are an officer of your company and mm-hmm. you are listed on legal documents as an officer of your company and you are liable for decisions that your company makes. And so, you know, you have to really consider that when you're thinking about becoming a vice president or a director because, It can, in certain cases in certain companies, open you up to personal liability. And that level of responsibility is important to know going in. And if you're in a big publicly traded company, that might be why you're having a hard time getting up to that level. Because there is an additional level of responsibility there.
1: Um, Oh, absolutely. And I think an important point there. Uh, And this isn't as much of an issue in in the later stage companies, but if you're going to be in that position to be liable, you had better have, you know, a voice in the room. You need to be able to be in the room where those decisions are being made. It can't be, oh, you roll up to sales or you roll up to revenue and you don't get sit on the executive leadership team. You know, you need to be part of those decisions if you're going to represent them.
0: Right. Absolutely. And you should be compensated. Accordingly, accordingly, yes, <laughs> yeah, because nothing you do wrong need with to, that. Yeah, I mean, you need to to protect yourself with insurance mm-hmm. and stuff to do that. So, um, I think there's a lot of interesting aspects of that. So, you know, we're going to get into the details. So let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about you first. How did you yeah. make the transition from CS professional to director?
1: You know, mine was a little bit of a roundabout. Way of doing it. It's um, so funny. Almost everybody says that. Everyone says show. that, right? <laughs> uh, well, you do almost have to do a run around yeah. uh, to get it to happen because almost never will people say, "Okay, you've been a CSM long enough. Now you're a director." And I think the other reason it's that it was a bit of a windy road was that CS didn't really exist when I started doing it. Yeah, uh, it wasn't a field. It's just something that I considered to be best practices. And, you know, I started off as an actress in my twenties and I ended up wow. temping at, at a company, yeah, at a company that would let me go off and do my little indie films and stuff and still uh-huh. come back and have a job. So I was like, this is perfect. And then they just kept promoting me and, uh, you know, it was a startup, but it, it took off and I moved fairly quickly to manager. And then, you know, one of the VPs of operations, there were many of us. Um, And then I kind of hit my head on the ceiling there. I was titled appropriately, but not compensated appropriately. Yeah. And I'd been there eight years and I, I definitely wanted to branch out a little bit, but what I had started doing was taking something that was a reactive process um, and just doing a simple job for customers. And Looking out for it, turning it proactive, saying, okay, where are people making mistakes? You know, this is SEC filing. So I was like, mm-hmm. all right, why don't we double check that all of these things are signed for them? Why don't we test file it before the deadline? You know, why don't we do all these things that we know people shoot themselves in the foot over? And when we started doing that, our, our retention just really increased a lot and we got more customers. So I got my first taste of it there. I just thought it was best practice. So from there, I moved on to a more established company, RR um, Donnelly. And it was interesting moving from a startup to something that's been around for hundreds of years. It was really interesting, but we were building the, the SaaS function from the ground up. I was like the, the third or fourth hire in this okay. department to turn these SEC filings into Uh, a SaaS model. So I got to be on the ground floor of that, building all the processes, uh, seeing what worked and what didn't, creating the playbooks and, you know, working mainly with implementation until it was ready to be um, handed off to, to a level where they were kind of on coast. You know, they probably weren't going to expand, but they were happily filing with us regularly. Um, so I was there for a while until they split into three companies. And at this point I said to myself, like customer success exists, that's kind of what I'm doing. That's what I want to do, but I'm going to need to get it in my title somehow. So at that point, I actually took a step back, you know, having been in a more senior leadership position for now, uh, like eight years or something. I said, I'm going to take a role with CSM in the title because I can't seem to get anything else in that category, not having been in it. So I did. I worked as a customer success manager for a year at a company, again, doing uh, a similar job. And uh, once I had that title in there, I was able to work for a startup uh, where I basically was the customer success department. But hey, you couldn't (laughs) tell me I wasn't the head of it. I became head of customer success at, uh, at an AI startup which was really cool. That was really fun. And then from there, I was able to get director positions when that, uh, startup didn't, uh, didn't start up right. There were some problems with legacy codes. So I did have to find something else, but, you know, from there, I was able to pivot and, uh, get some true director roles, you know, begin managing people again and actually using real customer success theory and seeing results, you know, That's great. So that is my circuitous route.
0: (laughs) You know, I I, what I love about your story is that you did take a step back at one point to go forward, and I've had that same experience in my career. And I think sometimes people are afraid to do that because they're afraid they're going to lose ground. But I have never had that not pay off. Um,
1: Right. Me too. Yeah. It was again. That's one of those things that it's like it's a privilege to be able to do. I was in a position in my life where. I could afford to make a little bit less money, even though I wasn't making very much, I could you know, say, all right, I'm gonna take a hit financially, but this is where I wanna be. And mm-hmm. I'm willing to take that for a year or two so that I can set myself in the right direction mm-hmm. because I knew if, if I worked hard at that and networked properly and did all the learning I could to move up, that I should be able to do that because I did have a leadership background. I do find it harder to move up in customer success than I did in other fields, interestingly Mm -hmm. enough. Um, But again, I I attribute that to being somewhat of a new discipline uh, and it's still kind of getting its legs. It doesn't have very formal career pathing. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is something I always try to do for my direct reports. I Mm -hmm. say, here's what you need to do to move up, you know, if if they want to, here's, here are the things you need to learn. I will point you in the right direction. You can shadow me, uh, you know, I will teach you how to do X, Y, and Z. And then, you know, hopefully we're making enough and we're improving the company enough that there will be room to hire some more CSMs and you can manage those. And yeah. if not, you know, if they eventually outgrow me, that's okay. You know, they might graduate from me, but it's never it's never bad for the company to have people learning higher skills.
0: Yes. Yeah. I think some leaders get really nervous about that because Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, well, if I train them too good, they're going to leave and go somewhere else. And they might, but that's okay. You still got them in the meantime. And, you know, you are helping to create a field right now of customer success people. And we desperately
1: need that. So,
0: and if you don't train them, they're
1: probably going to leave anyway. Yeah. So yeah, you might get them for longer and better. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, people have in their head, whether you talk to them about it or not, what their career path is going to look like. So it's better to mm-hmm. uncover, you know, yeah. what they're thinking than to just sort of be flying blind as a, a leader.
1: Yeah. I, I find it really valuable to to invest in my employees that way. You know, that when you have their buy-in and they're really engaged, mm-hmm. they do such better work. Like I know I do. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I try to
0: do for them. So This is kind of maybe a more tactical question for you. How would you suggest to a CSM that they approach moving toward a director level in their career if that's Mm -hmm. what they want to do? Like, what what are the steps?
1: So there are a couple ways you could do it. Um, But my first uh, recommendation would be to let your manager know that you have an interest in advancing in your career, you know, saying, hey, I really admire what you do. I think it's it looks really interesting and it's what I would like to do. What would you recommend that I do to end up in a position like yours? What do I need to learn? And seeing if they'll work with you on that. Um, what I asked some of my CSMs to do uh, was to go out and look at a few different LinkedIn postings for the position they would want in a couple of years, uh, make a list of the skills needed and the requirements check off the ones they have, circle the ones they don't, and we would start chipping away at the ones that they don't. Uh, So even if you don't have a manager that signs on for this, because that might happen, Mm -hmm. uh, you can still do that exercise and figure out what you need to learn and start going out there, start learning those things. There are amazing books. There are Slack communities. There are uh, forums. uh, Customer success community will help you get there if your manager won't. So definitely dive in on LinkedIn or Slack or one of those communities.
0: Yeah. There's all kinds of people out there who want to help you grow.
1: And the, the great thing is now there are so many open roles at this particular point in time that I've talked to a couple of, of startup people lately and, and told them, look, for your company, what you're probably going to get for what you're offering is someone who's ready to move up, who yeah. is taking their first you know leadership position, but hasn't necessarily been a, a head of for And a lot of times they'll say, oh, well, we want someone with five years experience. It's like, well, I would like a $2 million apartment on, you know, (laughs) in my, in my neighborhood, you know, just handed to me, but it, it's not realistic, but at the same time, people can languish in those, you know, CSM roles for a long time if they don't Mm -hmm. take the initiative, but I have connected with a few people in the past who I've trained up. And then when I hear about those opportunities, I say, look, this person is ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can tell you that because I trained them myself or I coached myself. That's why I talk about networking. It sounds like an icky term. Uh, you know, I don't like the idea of getting to know someone to get something out of them. I, I think the only thing you should try to get out of someone else's knowledge and be considerate of it. But people in the CS community are so willing to give that. Mm-hmm. So really take advantage of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think my one regret prior to starting this company is that I did not network enough before I started this company. And I wish I had spent more time on that. It's so easy when you're in CS to think, Oh, I'm so busy. I just don't have time for that. I don't have time to go to the meetups. I don't have time to, you know, engage on LinkedIn. I don't have time, you know, and I, I, that's you, you'll, lose out. If you don't do at least a little bit of that, it's worth carving out even, you know, just 15 minutes of your
1: morning yeah. to,
0: you know, reach I say out to 10 minutes new. a day. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, it's, it doesn't take that because long. 10 minutes is more, 10 minutes is more like you can wrap your head around it. It's not Accessible. like a quarter of an hour. Oh, you yeah. know, yeah. it's like 10 minutes. If you work on your career, not uh-huh. on your job, but work on your career, 10 minutes a day, you yeah. are light years ahead of everybody else. Oh yeah. It, and It's the same as if like you got a phone call in from your kid's school or something and you got hung up for a few minutes. You find a way to make the rest of your day happen. Mm -hmm. If you put that in your day somewhere intentionally, it Mm -hmm. makes all the difference. Start with five if you can't do 10.
0: Yeah, there's an app that I love called Fabulous. It's a habit building app. And um, I really love it because it, it talks about that. It's like, you're just gonna add one little habit somewhere, make it easy for yourself to add it, get it in there. Like they start by teaching you to drink a glass of water first thing in the morning every day. And I started doing that. And I swear now I drink so much water. It's crazy. I have so much water, really? and it's just started from that. Like one glass of water in the morning kind of kicks off your day, and then you end up drinking more water throughout the day, and then it kind of leads to that's other right. habits. So, yeah, now I have a habit of um, going walking every morning um, because that app kind of gamified it for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like gamification. Yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I do too. Yeah, and then it it could be that that's what it takes to get you to do that ten minutes of career building time for yourself,
1: you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, find a way to make it fun, find a way yeah. to make it easy, and it really does just kind of snowball. Mm-hmm. Uh it's one thing that I am very passionate about, you know, I only really started on LinkedIn uh, about a year ago. Um yeah. and the the traction that I got so fast was was really amazing. But I love to write, so it gave me the opportunity to do that. But it was the first time where I really saw networking as helping each other. Yeah. And that made all the difference to me. It wasn't about what's in it for me. It's about how can we help each other and make this stronger.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, okay, let's talk about the other end of the the spectrum. So now we've got a job in customer success and we mm-hmm. have, we're a CS professional and we're running into resistance, progressing the career to the director mm-hmm. level or toward the director
1: level even. What would you suggest to that person? I would definitely learn the things that they figured out they needed to know as a director from doing that exercise. Mm-hmm. And then I would start applying to startups. Um, you can look on, I think it's angel.co. I can double check that. But you can look up startups and seed companies. You're probably going to have to go somewhere where you are the customer success department for a while. Yeah, And they can't say you need, you know, five years experience of running you know, running teams because they don't have one yet. It's going to be up to you to build it. And that most often is the way you get in. Certainly for me and most people I know, it's not ideal, but let me tell you, you learn so much from building a department from the ground up. It's a lot of work, but it's just, I mean, it's like going to grad school for customer success. Oh yeah, you, it's, you learn it's like so you much. have a case study
0: live that you're working yeah. on yeah, all exactly. the time.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly.
1: Yeah. And then, yeah, and you can grow that and you get one CSM to work with you. Now you have management experience. You know, you don't necessarily need to stay in that role forever if you don't like it. If you do, if it takes off, fantastic. But that's how you get yourself the experience. And the one other thing I would add to that is a lot of people tell me they have trouble getting management experience because they don't have management experience, uh, you know, people management. And this is sort of a way around that in terms of being able to build a team. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, there's a lot to people management that you don't realize until you're in it. Mm -hmm. And something I would definitely do if at all possible is to volunteer. Mm -hmm. because volunteering, you learn to deal with all sorts of different personalities who are not going to do what you want them to do necessarily. And you have to learn to work together towards a common goal. And it is a real exercise in how to be a good manager. Can you work within a team? Can you work to get them to, you know, fulfill an obligation. If you're a team leader there, that's why I actually do look if people put that on their resume and they don't have a uh, leadership experience. I'll ask them to tell me about that because you definitely get those skills there.
0: Yeah. In some companies, if you work for a large enough company, you, you can kind of take on cross-functional projects as the leader of the Mm. project. And that can give you some good management experience as well um, where you're leading an initiative instead of a team. And I think that, you know, kind of a lot like volunteering, you can get experience that way too. But yeah, it is, it is helpful to have, that people management experience, what you might find. And, you know, leadership is not for everybody. There's a reason Mm -hmm. why only certain people are leaders. And it's because there's a lot of aspects of leadership that are not always super fun. It sounds really glamorous. It sounds like, oh, I'm a vice president and my life is you know, jets and fancy dinners. And it's like, no, your life is, is sitting in meetings all day long planning stuff, you know, and it's far less glamorous than it sounds. It's Mm -hmm. far less lucrative than it sounds. And you spend all your time trying to get other people to do stuff instead of you doing it, which means you have a lot less control over Mm -hmm. your, your outcome. So, you know, if you're somebody who really enjoys personally doing work and getting rewarded for it, you are not going to love management. You are, you are going to, it's very true. Like it's, it's out of your control and you are going to feel like you, you're either going to become a giant micromanager or you're going to feel like you're not getting acknowledged for your work. And neither of those are really good things for you or, or your team. So, you know, this path that I think you and I are describing right now is is not the only path to progress your career. It's just a path. It, not
1: at all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. And there are so many new roles opening up in customer success all the yeah. time. Uh, it's growing so much. I mean, Look at what's happened with CS ops over the past, yeah. you know, two years, it's exploded. And after having a CS ops person on my team, I don't ever want to go back to not having one ever, no. <laughs> uh, because it's that much of a game changer. And, you know, there's that there's product marketing, there's uh, digital CS, there's community engagement, there are all these new pathways forming and you can absolutely make a career in those and building on those You don't have to have done every single aspect to become a team leader or to become a vice president. You know, Mm -hmm. a CEO doesn't have to have fulfilled every single role in a company to get that title. Yeah, exactly. It's not possible. But what you have to do is understand how all those things play together Mm -hmm. and be able to, to work with other departments is very important. But if you're not big into talking to clients, but you love the the strategy part of it, or you love the data, you know, absolutely jump into CS ops. You know, I've talked to people before that was a thing. And I remember them telling me like, CS is so interesting to me, but I realized I don't like talking to clients. I was like, that's an issue. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And now it doesn't necessarily have to be.
0: No. No, and I, I think there are some people who who kind of dive into CS and, and then go, oh, wait, oh, this isn't what I thought. Mm-hmm. And um, those people might be a great fit for ops. They might be a great fit for uh, leading a digital CS program.
1: Where exactly.
0: It's more exactly. automation and thinking. You're still thinking about the customer journey. You're just thinking about it in terms of automation versus being on the phone with customers. So, yeah, there are a lot of of paths for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, you've described kind of self-assessments that people can do. What role does self-awareness play in somebody moving into a senior leadership role, like a director?
1: That is so huge. Um, basically whatever issues that you have are going to be compounded by managing other people. They're going to be reflected back at you. It's just, it's just what happens if you're oversensitive they're going to react to that. If you feel out of control, they're going to fight you on that. You really have to be self-aware and comfortable in who you are. And that's the thing. It takes a little while to get there. Cause when you move to a management position from being a CSM or a, an individual contributor of any kind, it's a complete change in responsibility, but nobody's necessarily told you how to do it. So I am a big fan of taking, you know, management courses, leadership courses. Um, I do coaching with that as well for new CS leaders Mm -hmm. who, you know, this is their first uh, time as a director or head of CS and they need to know how to set up a strategy. They need to figure out what the comp plan should be for their CSMs. You know, you need some help on that sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest piece of it really is that people manager thing and being able to relax into it. Because at first it feels like you have to tell people what to do. And some people like that. And some people don't, I don't like telling people what to do. I like talking about it as, all right, we have to accomplish a goal. Let's talk about this. How are we going to do this as a team? I can take a more uh, authoritarian stance if I absolutely have to, but it's always going to be my last resort as opposed to the way I handle everything. Yeah. And because that's who I am and what works for me as a leader, somebody else is going to need their, their employees to be more arm's length Mm -hmm. and that's okay. As long as you embrace what works for you and who you are, you don't have to fit this role of, you know, quote unquote boss.
0: Yeah. There is an excellent book where if you're running into a little resistance as you kind of go down this road it gets into kind of the common things that hold people back and it's called what got you here won't get you there. That's an amazing resource. If if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're like, but I keep trying all those things and they're not working. (laughs) um, This might help you kind of just look at yourself and look at, you know, what made you a great CSM is not necessarily going to make you an awesome manager or director. And it will help you identify the things that could be holding you back or could be, making your team react poorly to you or, you know, all of those kinds of things. So I think it's worth a look if you're running into those problems.
1: If you're close with your manager, you can also ask them, you know, because a lot of people aren't going to give you that feedback unless you ask for it, yeah. because a lot of time it's going to blow up in their face. Right. So if you actually take the initiative to say, look, I, I feel like there might be something holding me back because I'm doing everything I can think to and not getting any traction. Can you think of anything in my behavior and uh, the way people are perceiving me? Am I coming across wrong? You know, is there anything that I might be aware of that I should look into doing differently? Mm -hmm. You know, and once you give them the green light to say that, you know, sometimes people will give you a solid answer. It may be uncomfortable to hear. You're not going to love it. Um, But it's gold if they do give it to you. Thank them. Try somewhere else, (laughs) Uh, you know, but, but be sure to thank them for that because it's, it's worth knowing and it can be difficult, you know, to know that about yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I think everybody goes through um, and hits resistance at some point in their career path, like I, I've never met a oh, yeah. person that's like, oh, the whole thing was smooth sailing. It was great. You know, <laughs> that's not true for anybody. So don't feel like you're alone if you're hitting up against some some mm-hmm. friction or even a glass ceiling. Um pretty much everybody's something like that. So there's, there's tools out there and there's people out there that can help you through that. Um, it, but you do have to be
1: open to change. (laughs) So yes. Yeah. If you're not open to change in CS, you're going to have a very hard time. Yeah. (laughs) And, but that doesn't at the same time, like change is hard for everybody. I don't know anyone who's like, I want some instability today, you know, but it's having a certain level of peace with it and knowing that, it's going to straighten out eventually. It's not chaos every day, but things are going to change fairly often. You know, it's, it's like that who moved my cheese book, the cheese is going to move. You got to know that's going to happen and be ready for it.
0: Yeah. I think if you plan for that, then you'll react better to Mm -hmm. when it does happen too. Yeah. Um, so let's say that someone's decided that they need to look for their director job at a new company. They've realized they're not gonna get there in their current companies, they've gotta go look for a job. What should they be looking for and what should they be sure to ask about so that they're getting into a company that is really supportive of CS? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. I always like to ask in those sort of interviews uh, and suggest that people ask in those sort of interviews, you know, what is your definition of customer success? What are you looking to get out of it? What is your anticipated timeline on that? Because so many people think that customer success is, you know, just add water and now I'm going to have, you know, positive net retention and, you know, they're going to cross sell everything I have. And it just doesn't work that way. It's a whole department. It takes time. It takes, you know, a year to set up really properly so that you're going to get the appropriate data and results that you're looking for. Like then you're getting into a more proactive state just away from firefighting. But I think a lot of times CEOs lose a little bit of faith when it's not instant gratification because we haven't taken the time to tell them this is what it takes to get there. We have to set that expectation just like we do with our customers. Like, I can do this for you. Here's what's going to happen. Here's how long it's going to take Yeah, and why.
0: Yeah. And um, I think a year is so we, a really good amount of time to set the expectation for because even if it's a fairly basic high-touch CS program, they still have to build relationships with all those customers. That takes time exactly. too. That doesn't happen overnight.
1: And, then and you're not going to see a reduction yeah. in churn, you know. until a year later because you just met them and you know that's where you are in the process you're not going to say hello to a client and now they're not going to turn right you know
0: yeah so if somebody's listening and they aren't sure if this is the right career path for them what would you suggest that they do to learn more about becoming a director and what
1: that's like Mm. talk to a bunch of directors uh it doesn't have to be yours if you're not meshing with your director Find someone on LinkedIn who you like their tone. You like what they talk about or, you know, in any of these forms in Slack, um, or in like a game grow, retain or something like that, Mm -hmm. find someone who you resonate with and just ask them, you know, could I talk to you a little bit about what it's like to be a director? Most people will say yes. I mean, I know for me, I don't take every single request to meet because then I would not have time to do my job, (laughs) but, uh, you know, if someone's like, please, I need 15 minutes to know if, if this is right for me, um, I'm much more willing to take that than, Hey, I'm putting together a new software for customer success. You know, I'm much more likely to talk with them. So talk to some directors, say, what do you do day in, day out? Like, what's, what do you think are the fun parts? What are the parts that you really don't like? Do you spend most of your time in meetings, you know, doing work on your own, doing work with others, because you as a person really need to know what am I happy and energized by and what sucks the life out of me. You know, Mm -hmm. if you cannot handle being in meetings all day, you are going to hate it. Yeah. It's that, that's just the truth. So you need to know that about yourself and then ask questions, you know, they will come up, ping them to people. You can ask one-off questions in Slack and people love to answer and show their expertise. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you might end up taking a job and finding out you love it, or maybe it's not for you. A job doesn't have to be forever. You're never stuck, you know, you can always pivot, but personally, I love it. So I'm always going to say it's a great job, but, uh, but yeah, you know, you have to know yourself and what you enjoy.
0: Yeah. And it is not for everyone. Um, as you and I have said multiple times in this episode, you know, it's okay to not to, to choose not to mm-hmm. be a director. In fact, please choose not to be a director if you don't like working with others, if you don't like mm-hmm. solving big problems, if you don't like sitting in meetings, you will make yourself miserable. You will make every single person who works for you miserable. And because yep. you're at a level where you have a lot of people probably working for you as a director, that's a lot of people whose lives you're going to have an impact on for positive or negative. So just don't do it if you, if you're starting to go down that road and you're yeah, like, if it doesn't yeah. Management isn't for me. If it doesn't energize do
1: it. you, get out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get out. You'll burn um, out. You will. Yeah. Cause it's so much, it's so much that you really have to love it. Yeah. Um, and also just being able to manage other people's conflicts and, and make them go smoothly. Like, yeah, you have to like working with others. As you said, it's not yeah. only sitting in meetings and thinking about strategy. It's you, In the same way that there's a lot of kind of herding cats in customer success, you know, trying to get everybody to get something done. There's a lot of, you know, uh, relationship management within your own team that'll happen that you'll need to be able to smooth over and build effective teams because otherwise they're going to be working against you, even if they don't mean to be. Yeah. So it's just an entirely different job. So you need to know what you're getting into
0: yeah, for sure. Okay, last question. This is one that we ask all of our guests. What do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why?
1: Mm, community. Uh, okay. I see community coming up everywhere and I'm for it. You know, In the same way that I saw CS Ops coming up, I see community coming up because it is a great way to scale. Uh, and to mm-hmm. scale some customer success to allow customers to network with one another, share best practices in their industries, depending on what you do with that community. Like I mm-hmm. I think what Pendo did with theirs was absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, customers can kind of graduate to the neighborhood, uh, to Pendo neighborhood, and they have all sorts of resources there. It can't be just a beefed up help center. Uh, community really involves clients talking to each other and coming up with ideas and you have to be able to foster that. Like, I don't know how to do it. I can't build a community today. I would hire someone for that or do a heck of a lot of research first. But I do think it is a very powerful tool if you know how to do it the right way. If you just set up a room and hope people will talk to each other no.
0: Now, you do need a resource for it, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you, if the only resource is you, the director of your department, mm-hmm. that's going to be a lot of work for you. Exactly. And, you know, you need to have a moderator. That's its own job. And Completely. if you're going to invest in a community, you need to really invest in it and have a person whose job it is to think about how to make that community great. Um, so don't cheap out. <laughs> and not get yeah. a person along with your technology. It kills exactly. me, so many companies buy all this technology and then there's nobody to run it, except for I know. this poor I director know. who's got three different solutions they're trying to figure out all the time and then they don't have time for their team. And, and so, yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm excited to see what happens with community. I think there's a lot of tools out there right now, um, a mm-hmm. lot of work and thought being put into those tools and what could be different and better. So it, it'll be exciting to see it evolve.
1: Yeah, it's new. I mean, to me, it's relatively new in terms of its popularity, but, but I do see that being very big on the horizon. Yeah. I'm excited for it.
0: Yeah. We reviewed a book recently on our book review podcast called, um, the effortless experience and, um, Mm. another one by the same author, digital customer service. And, and they get both of those books kind of get into that idea of customers wanting that self-service, self-driven experience, but still to have that engagement with other people and solve their own problems. And I think community is an interesting way to combine a lot of different facets of that. So, and it's also
1: and, what we're used to using day in, day out with social media yeah. and things like that. You know, if you have a problem with something, you're going to Google it. You're not going to call up a service rep from your okay. company. Most likely, you know, I, I always, uh, joke with, with my mom. You like, why didn't, why didn't you give me a call? I was like, I texted you. I'm afraid of the phone. Um, which of course is not the real truth, but it's like, it's just not how our generation does things. So why would it be any different with business? You know, use what they're comfortable with. And yeah. then you're there if they want to talk. But if they can just look it up themselves or talk mm-hmm. to somebody else in their field, a lot of times they're more comfortable.
0: Yeah. Well, it was really interesting. There was a stat in, I think it was the Effortless Experience, where they said they were really surprised when they were doing their research for the book that the age group that is most comfortable with handling things themselves self-service online actually is anyone 73 years old and younger and they were like we thought this was going to be more like the gen xers so like yeah. 50 year olds and under yeah. but they're like no it's actually 73 years old that's amazing and under. that's crazy wow. so that's basically almost everybody almost would everyone yeah to to go you know and just do right. it themselves. Almost everyone who is using a
1: SaaS tool, yeah. yeah. Um
0: Well they they were they're this book is broad. It's talking about B2C tools, B2B tools mm-hmm. and so yeah. it's like people want to go get their own information and yeah. most people want to do that. So I think it's important to to you know consider that as, you know, tech companies, we need to be thinking about the fact that all of our users in B2B are of that mindset of wanting to right. get their own information, self-serve and have resources mm-hmm. that are geared for that, that don't require them to have to call. completely,
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, quick videos, uh, in-app tours, things like that have yeah. all the resources. You know, I like to say, you shouldn't have to fall all over yourself, not to learn the product. Yeah. You know, it, it should be easy, you know, built. So it's easy, but there should be very clear ways of learning it for different learning styles.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It'll be exciting to see what happens with that. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel, thank you so much for being part of the podcast today. I, I know our audience always appreciates practical advice and you had a lot of that today. And I appreciate you sharing your personal experiences as well, because I think that's meaningful for people. If someone wanted to, what's the best way for them to reach out to you?
1: You can reach out to me either on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on there as Rachel H. Provan, or you can write to me at Provan Success, P R O V A N, success like customer success, at gmail.com. And that's where I do my coaching through.
0: Okay. Great. Well, thanks again, Rachel. I also wanna thank our producer, Russell Bourne and our audio expert, Nico Rivers. This podcast is a production of Success League Radio. To learn more about the Success League's consulting and training offerings, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io. For more great customer success content, follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSLCustomers on Twitter. You can subscribe to Success League Radio on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere else you get your podcasts. And thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us next time.